Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 756. This is a sort of rather free-form version of Sonic Talk. Normally we have very fixed topics to do with music technology, electronic music and all of those things. This time it's going to be a bit more free-form because we've just come back from Berlin. Uh, the greatest uh, synth show on the calendar. Lovely weather. Lots and lots and lots of releases. I mean, really, it's like they've been penned up behind the dam of... I don't know, what would you dam a, a synthesizer releases up with? I don't know, some, some kind of substance. And it's like a, uh, anyway, and it's all flooded out into the world of synths. Uh, before I get to uh, introduce our guests, yeah, that was a terrible metaphor. I started, I thought I started it well, but I hadn't thought it through at all. I do beg your pardon. But uh, I'm going to play, uh, before I go, I'm going to encourage you to join us on Patreon. We have a couple of exclusive videos there from, uh, from uh, YouTube. Uh, from Superbooth, as well as all the other stuff that we do. Have you considered joining us on Patreon? Uh, for a mere couple of cups of coffee a month, maybe one, depending on your taste, you get access to all of our ad-free content. Uh, that's everything we post to YouTube. Monetize is also posted to uh, our Patreon feed. We get a Sonic Talk pre-show. Uh, we also, actually, exclusive videos. I've just posted one of the third wave uh, from Groove Synthesis, which was a great synth. I just reviewed it. Uh, there's some extra video there exclusive to Patreon. Plus, you get samples, downloads, all kinds of other bits and pieces. And if you join before the end of the show at the upper tier, which is still only six bucks a month, you will get your name in credits at the end of every Sonic Talk as a big thank you. Thank you very much for those who already have joined us. Anyway, back to the show. Yes, indeed, it is back to the show. So, yeah, let's get on to our guests. Uh, we've got a collection. We've got two, well, three of us went and one of us didn't. Um, so we'll start with Gaz, because Gaz saw it from afar. Gaz Williams, of course, uh, YouTuber and music technologist. And also, um, you you actually did something really exciting. I heard you played a, uh, a fuzz bass solo in front of a crowd of 15,000 people at the Eurovision Song Contest uh, um, event. So good on you. Yeah. Oh, you've gone very quiet. Oh, I'm required. Oh, so I'm required. I got, it's all right. I got you. I got you. It was me. me. My fault. Um, yeah. I, you know, I was, so yeah, great gig, but I was just always oh, just so torn about not being at Superbooth, especially given what a bumper year it has been. I mean, uh, but briefly touching on the Eurovision gig, uh, just for a bit of context. So we were the headliners of Friday night, major event, Eurovision Village. Uh, which took place in Liverpool, and um, and it took place outside, immediately outside the Liver Building, which is you know maybe the most iconic oh, nice. in Liverpool, and uh, and it's famously the Liver Birds on the on the roof there are the kind of you know I don't know what the guardian angels of Liverpool overlooking everything, so you know felt very much you know in the presence of the of the Liver Birds. Um, and not not the seventy sitcom ones either. Disappointing. Enough, British enough to know <laughs> what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but uh, what was just fantastic about it was um, it, it was like it was full to capacity, but all areas where uh, outside of the actual thing itself were full of people, rooftops, people, you know, on balconies. <laughs> you know, uh, so just an amazingly unique and uh, you know nice incredible experience but i think my favorite thing really though is that with the charlotte church pop dungeon is is all raw there's no backing tracks it's a four-piece band at the heart bass drums guitar and keys all played live uh you know 
and raw and heavy and dirty. And I just feel that that was such a kind of uh, very, yeah, very different from juxtaposition. Stuff, <laughs> you know, all the backing track argh, crap that goes on. You know, we're like doing the real, bringing the real deal into some, into that kind of environment so i felt i was doing my kind of subversive best really um and i wore my sat my dear late um mother-in-law's dress in the concert oh. as well. <laughs> right okay <laughs> why ever not well yeah. i'm glad to hear that guys i mean I, I i bet it was fantastic but i mean turning back to Superbooth, obviously you know um it, yeah. it was a big event uh, and there was a lot of stuff i mean it was a bit of a whirlwind for us i must admit maybe what i'll do is i'll go i'll, I'll go i'll introduce the other guests and then we'll sort of come round and, and and work our way through the huge pile so of stuff, stuff that there is so much stuff yeah. okay Okay, right. Okay, well, let's uh, let's join uh, Mr. Robin Vincent, uh, Molten Music Tech um, YouTuber and uh, wearer of uh, fancy shirts. Um, no, I saw you, you over there in Berlin. You came on Saturday, um, which was your usual kind of dawn raid, arrive at midday, stay. I don't know what time you left. Did you did you stay the night or did you um, did you go back? Yeah, that yeah. Night? No, we stayed the night and did an oh, awful good. lot of walking around Berlin on the Sunday, which was great. We d went on a bit of a David Bowie uh, mission because uh, my kid, Arthur, who I brought along, is a big fan and wanted to see his apartment and Hansa Studios, things like that. So we walked all over that part of Berlin, which was great. Very exciting. Nice. That sounds fantastic. That's fantastic. Okay. And also we have Mr. Matt Hodson, a.k.a. Maths, 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 uh, com, or, um, well, he's a.k.a. Maths, who actually played a gig at uh, Superbooth. Uh, went down really well. Sadly, not the biggest PA uh, on the Seaside stage anymore. I think they moved the uh, Function 1 over to the other stage. But uh, still, by all accounts, I couldn't, I couldn't make it. I, that was the day I was in A&E, funnily enough. But it was, uh, it was rocking. How are you, Matt? That's all right, Nick. I'll let I'll let you off. And yeah, I do I do hope your daughter's all right. Um, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm just uh, I've just been putting together my own video actually, summarising Superbooth. So it's all very still fresh in my mind. And it just occurred to me as I was making it just how many cool things I saw and how many cool things actually I didn't see. There was so many things as I was putting the video together. I'm like, I didn't get to play on that. I didn't get to play on that. I didn't get to play on that. There's just tons and tons of stuff gaz you was you was missed we all missed you but um but you a gig like the eurovision don't blame you mate um mm. and robin i didn't know you was there on saturday it would have been lovely to have met you hang on a second sounds like there's an answer phone going off I'll just kill that. <laughs> so there we go. It's all the usual, all the usual uh, suspects and good stuff. Yeah. So guys, I mean, Herr I, as Schneider, an was that Herr Schneider <laughs> ringing us up or something? Does he want to get in on, on this? <laughs> I've, well, it'd be nice to have him, but uh, it would be even yeah. more, it would be extremely chaotic. He's a very, uh, he has a very flighty um, uh, um, uh, topics brain. He kind of jumps about all over the place. It's, uh, but yeah, it he was does, great but, um, seeing him. He's done a fa fantastic he, job. He's done did, that. They? Yeah, he's, um, they did a, just jumping straight into it, they did a, a documentary on Superbooth as well, which we all saw the preview of. It's still not fully edited yet. Um, but there's an independent company who's done a documentary and have used a load of your material from Sonic State, Nick. And they've yeah. put together this kind of hour-long documentary about it all, and it focuses on Schneider pulling it together with uh, Mr. Dirtfer 
and the kind of legacy and what it's meant and what it's created and you know what it is and how it's grown and he makes it look so easy putting on something like this. It really does. And when you meet mm. him around the festival and, and you you have a chat with him, he's got all the time in the world. And, yeah, he's just one of those guys that makes it so easy. I It really occurred to me just how grateful we should be of people who put all that time and energy into putting something together that is – it's not really about the money. It's about the community, and it, it's about the, the those people who are making these amazing modules that we can go away with and um, bring out our desires as music makers and, and and do things and connect with music in magical and wonderful ways. So should be really thankful for what they're doing. It, um, and watching that documentary, was it really did summarize it very well, and I urge anyone to watch it once it's finished. Yeah, definitely. I suppose before yeah. before we go before we go into jump in, I want to say a big big shout out to our, all of the people who worked on our side of things to make things work, which was obviously Andy. Uh, there was uh, Ed and Chris and Simon Forsyth and uh, Chris. B from Battery Operated Orchestra who's doing all the stories and Ben who's a new addition to the team who edited every single one of those 100 videos by a couple on his own <laughs> just amazing amazing and also, also of course all the people over at Superbooth to sort of you know who, who made it work as well and of course our sponsors couldn't have done it without them Simo Electronics and GPU Audio plus all of the other smaller uh, supporters who we did various video things for as well anyway that out of the way um gaz from afar what yeah. was the th what was the sort of i mean obviously our first video was george's uh uh yeah. super gemini and that that sort of set the tone rather didn't it it was kind of like really set the tone shall i play a little bit of that before we uh before we yeah, go into it just so that we, just 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 because i can what a beast what a beast let me see i've got a button uh that would be this george. one hi nick <laughs> hello a, another spring another berlin uh a show he played this amazing, so this is the uh, Super Gemini, which basically has, it's like two Super Fives, I suppose, because it's a 10 voice or 20 voice uh, non binaural road, but each each synth is represented by an entire row of discrete controls. So it's essentially, it's like a CS80 in that sense, you can access all the parameters. There's no kind of doubling up, which is very unusual. And this is the only video, uh, the only synthesizer I've ever posted a release for, when all the comments, or a majority of the comments were, I can't believe how cheap it is, when in fact it's still four grand or so, but people were expecting it to be quite a lot more than that. And he just did a, one of his usually fantastic performances, all just to improvise. I don't know what you thought about that, Gaz, but I mean, I know he's a Bristol guy and we have fondness of George. I mean, he's, he's just, a he's a bit of a superstar, friend. isn't he? Yeah, and he's a good friend of mine. I've been fortunate enough to, to know George from... For a long old time so seeing him go through all the you know the different uh stages and uh you know this feels like this culmination of everything he's been working towards i've got a super six behind me which is just the bringer of joy i'm sure everybody who's got them can kind of relate to this that there's something that there's something about udo's policy you know so design ethos really which you know because like a lack of screen now this big this big new one no screen which i know will irk a few people yeah. uh but that still ties into this kind of philosophy now you know I'm, i've known george and you know 
12, 10, 12 years or whatever. And he, um, this philosophy is something very deep that's been within him all this time. So, you know, uh, having that perspective on George, seeing this now, it just is incredibly exciting because I know that, you know, if you look through the evolution of the synths, because, of course, the 008 from Modal was uh, largely George's work, which was the precursor to the Super 6 before he went alone with UDO. Um, So this idea of just like an immediacy and this uh this relationship with the instrument in front of you um like george spent an, an incredible amount of time in the development of the super six just working on a monophonic voice just i mean for what seemed like a few years just getting the fundamental tone of it right the playability the musicality of it and I, you know, you can see that in the way that George plays when he does his demos. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But um, but you know, the, the music just comes out of his machines and in the most beautiful way. And I'm really pleased that this one has got um, polyphonic aftertouch. I always felt that that was a slight missed opportunity. Yes, that's the big one, isn't it? Yeah, the capability of the Super Six. Um, and you know, obviously the uh, excuse me, uh, the the. The big touch strip, which, you know, again, ties into the CS80 um, comparisons. Um, but I also think, you know, a lot of people will be happy to see that 61 key bed as well. But yeah. I think, you know, when, when it's in front of you, I, I was party to seeing this before Superbooth, something that I had, you know, like, oh, I was really excited for to see the public reaction to this, which has been pretty overwhelming but i mean i think just to be in front of that thing is going to be an awe-inspiring experience and i think for new musicians and old musicians alike i think that it it, it is still very relevant you know this is an evolution of, of you know of a kind of a specific way of doing things it's not necessarily like the latest uh, you know it's not teeming with features it's a very tightly focused subset of features which um yeah. Yeah. And anyway, plenty to say about that for sure. No, it's beautiful. I, I did get the price. It's actually three and a half grand UK, about four thousand dollars, four thousand euros. So, I mean, astonishingly, you know, I, I know it's still a lot of money, but it's it's so much less than people thought. It's really quite <laughs> peculiar. Um, yeah. I don't know, uh, Robin. What did you get a chance to see? I know you were only there for a short time. It was in out in Bungalow Dorf, so I don't know whether you would have made it out there or not, mm. uh, uh, or whether it's your kind of thing. But it's a, a thing of beauty. Oh well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I didn't see it in person, but certainly it's a it's a beautiful machine. I think the CS80 thing is really interesting, and also. For some reason, whenever I think of the Super 6, I'm always distracted by the bioral nature of it. That seems to be the thing that's talked about that and it's and the nature of its oscillators. And so it's almost like I've never seen the Super 6 as an actual synthesizer. It just seems to be some kind of equation that we're trying to trying to solve. Whereas this is just pure synthesis loveliness, you know, laid out in a gorgeously designed instrument and you're not distracted by any of the don't care what the technology is this just sounds completely epic and that's really what you want you want to have that instant connection to to a synthesizer as an instrument rather than trying to fathom out what it's doing or where it's going and you know why it sounds a bit strange so yeah no i think they knocked it out of the park with uh with that fella 
Yeah, and the Matt, I mean, we were fortunate that we got it on Wednesday, which meant that, you know, it sort of set the tone. It was a, and it's the, it's the biggest, it's the biggest video of the show still. Um, I mean, that might change now, but certainly, but I mean, it was mm. the first one. So maybe that's part of the reason. Yeah, well, I think, um, I think Gaz has summed this up very well is that this guy, the designer, sorry, I've forgotten his name. He's got a George very Hill. strong, George, very strong connection with, what he's making and why he's making it and the ethos behind it. And that just comes through so, so clearly whenever you see him using it and talking about it, rather than it being, I just want to make something that um, is, you know, it's kind of based around this and it's got this added onto it and there's a place in the market for it. It's kind of like, this is a vision. This needs to come to market. This has to be out there. Even if we don't buy it, you can tell this guy has to make it. And, um, and that doesn't – it's not just true for him. I think that's true for a lot of the the makers that we saw around the event yeah. when you walk in and out and you're talking to them. And it's just like – it's like just opening the door, going in their head for a minute, and then you when you're playing with their modules. And it is literally like walking around in their, in their mind and, and just trying to go, oh, okay, <laughs> how did you come up with this idea? This is, this is, this is crazy, but it's, <laughs> I didn't know I needed it <laughs> really until, until I got to play with it just now. Um, and yeah, yeah, I just, I just love that. I love that connection makers have yeah. with their products rather than it just well, being, oh, I'm just making this for money. Can I just jump in here? Because uh, last time George was here, I mean, there's loads of instruments here, but he gravitated straight to the Super 6. And because the monitor sounded really great, he, he he just proceeded just to have the most fun playing on his synth, not interested in any of the other <laughs> things here. You know, just like, whoa, still just finding pure joy and delight in it. And I just was marveling at that. And I think, you know, the, 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 yeah, great, great to see George, brilliant. Yeah, well, he, I think he did a before. Well, as you know, he did it. If you want to see George wig out on his synths, there's a, a, a previous EMOM that we did. In fact, actually, that should point out we're going to do another EMOM. We just have it was due to be next month, but I sort of decided I can't, we can't, we just can't take it on. We had EMOM, NAM, and then Superbooth, and I just there wasn't enough time to promote it. So we'll, we will get another one done. It's just not going to be when we thought it was going to be. So do hang in there. Um, Robin, you also had a, another cho- a choice, didn't you? I see if I can get that in because. Uh, then this is quite an interesting one because it's, I, I don't re- I didn't again I didn't film this one I think Ed filmed this one I don't really understand what it is but I'll play a little bit there should be so ah there we go we've got some video oh hold on a second there should be some video hmm audio where's my audio can gone see, can see the video no ah, audio there we go there it is beg your pardon Top class demoing there. Yeah, the possibly not. It on. It's called art. So, uh, and why? Now I watch this and I don't fully understand. I think as I, well, what this is no. what I understand of it. Tip top audio is like polyphonic uh, oscillator control that will help keep your oscillators sort of in tune with each other. So it's it's a new it's a bus or a signal or a kind of a, a way of working that that interfaces with. They have a specific control module which I think is Octopus that then will tie in with other and control any other oscillators. Doesn't really matter what they are and keep them in pitch. Have I got that about right? I mean, you you brought it up. So you might have to justify this to me a little bit because I yeah, really yeah something like that. I kept watching different videos on it, going, I still don't get what this is. 
but I think I do now. And it's uh, it's something ah. to do with a, a universal asynchronous receiving transmitting system. It's basically a serial connection. Uh, so it's uh, UART, but they call it ART because that's simpler for, for them. So it's an RS-232, like your old serial port you used to have on the back of an old computer that ran your mouse back in the day. But it's a, you know, a good version of that. So that is essentially what's going down the, the cable. So it's just a regular patch cable, this ART cable, I think. <laughs> And but it's using these two connections here just to give you like Morse code out the other end. So it's sending instructions. It's not sending, well, ultimately it's voltage, but it's not sending what we see as control voltage. It's not sending one volt per octave, that kind of thing. It's sending uh, a series of, of, uh, of instructions very, very fast between two voice controllers, I suppose, at either end. And that way it can send uh, note information and tuning information, reference stuff. So they, so your analog oscillator with your art input becomes a digitally controlled oscillator, I guess. And, and right. that's why <clears throat> it's able to, to, to stay together. And that also means that this art cable can send polyphonic information. It doesn't have to be one note at a time. It could be, well, it will be because it's a serial connection, but it's so fast. So it to be simultaneous. Does that make sense? So, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so that that's sort of the idea. So, because I could not work out what is going down that cable, because they kept talking about these mm. polytip cables, which is actually something mm. else, a companion to it. And all that's doing is using a USB C cable to carry multi-channel analog audio. It's not doing anything right. other than that, as far as I can work out. So, because what they decided to do, we want to build polyphonic Eurorack, which is always going to be trouble when it comes to cabling. So they're trying to get around that. So if they can send polyphonic data down this art cable, that's just one cable to controlling a polyphonic module. And then that polyphonic module will output uh, six lots of audio or eight lots of audio from all the oscillators. Rather than having right. that spill out in a whole load of cables, spill that out in the little USB-C cable into your, your right. polyphonic filter, into your polyphonic VCA. So that reduces all of that cable mess down to something very simple, while at the same time introducing digital control over everything, so that it's very so does, tight. It must. So does it anal Does it analyze the 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 pitch of the returning signal so that it can keep them all in 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 shape, as it were? Because I mean that's one of the problems with modular yeah. polyphonic is you have got a discrete per voice kind of scenario, which is essentially you've still got to tune each oscillator or each voice. Uh, against mm. itself to make sure it's in tune. So that would kind of, if it could do that, that yeah, would no, make sense. Uh, but it would, all, it would also remove some yeah. of the charm, I feel. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, at the same time as I'm going, this is really interesting and exciting, and I feel I'm completely ideologically composed to the whole idea. But it's still interesting and fascinating <laughs> because I don't want to lose all of this control and patchability and slight crappiness. Because I imagine the first thing they're going to do is introduce a vintage knob which is going to reintroduce the pitch variations that you've just cured because that's what we like, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, why are we doing this? Uh, but I, I believe there's a tuning button, an auto-tune button on the octopus, which is like the base 
controller right. module that, that will send out to everything and tune it all. I mean, it's it's clever. Well, that makes sense. And you can do scaling. Uh, yeah, do scale. Expert sleepers mm. do the similar sort of thing, I suppose. And Matt, I mean, you know, you you use polyphonic stuff in your set to great effect. I think you use the uh, the polycinematic, isn't it? Uh, the uh, nobular thing. Polycinematic. Right? Yeah, I was using that. Um, but I'm I'm using that with MIDI because, as Robin says, using polyphony inside of a Eurac, there's a lot of cabling involved. Although the um, the qubit cord where is it? It's down here somewhere. The cubic cord, that gets around a lot of that because uh, all the oscillators can be tuned and, and that kind of thing. That's a quite a nice module, by the way, the cord 2 um, by Qubit, if you want to get into a bit of polyphony. But thinking about this, um, thinking about this art thing got me wondering, you know, is there potential for us to evolve? modular synthesis from what we know it which is built on it's quite old technology really and up until now we've you know we've had cv uh, and gate essentially i think and midi's in there now and then they're talking about this art oh, is there another kind of signal we haven't yet thought about something that we can use well that there is a preset bus, isn't there, in some modules? I think there's a preset bus yes, in some modules. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what that is now because someone did tell but that to I'm, me. And I, it uses it's, the it's very... Just trying to think of an... Go on, Gaz. Oh, the, the the bus. It uses the dope for, like, within the kind of... Um, yeah. The the bus board on, you know, what you plug your modules into. Yeah. Uh, there is a bunch yeah. of uh, extra control signals that can be used. Oh, Shack so, Map. It was Shack Matt, I think, that uh, that that told me about that. That they use it as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, yeah. it caught me out on the on the Waldorf KB thirty seven when I bought the the dope for one one six a one one six the 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 analog synth voice uh, in a you know I brought it home I put it into my into the KB thirty seven patched in the CV and then the and the gate started playing and oh all the tracking was really rancid I was like oh god no this is awful and then so I looked online and oh there's all these trimmer pots inside this little you know analog synth opened it up got in, tried to ch change all the, the tuning, and it was, oh, God, spent hours, and it was just making it worse. And anyway, <laughs> I, I put it back in, and I I'd pulled out the cables, except for the audio cable. I think I might have just lent on the keyboard, and it made a sound that's like, huh? 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 Nothing's, nothing's patched into the dofer. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can see what I done. You know, I didn't know this. I absolutely, I was just like a newbie. I mean, I know now, but... The dope for system it puts the CV and gate from. Like, so you had it set up essentially like two hundred percent keyboard tracking, basically. <laughs> yeah, and now I can't get I can't get the dope for to track and I've messed it up, you know, with all that. Oh, you know, so yeah, there's definitely a warning in there for someone out there. Ouch! Ouch! Yeah. That but is it, painful. It, it's just interesting to wonder if there if there is any potential for new signals that one we're not using yet i don't know whether it is using i don't know it's always going to come back to kind of changing the pitch or opening the envelopes and then you've got modulation and triggering something i guess is there a combination of the two that we still haven't looked at or utilized i don't know i i, I just got jamming in my head the walking around uh, with the dog going for a walk i don't just walk around with the dog i, I take the dog for a walk and uh, i was I was just thinking, what else is it? What else have we not got to yet? Um, there's plenty of different ways to interface with a modular synth. You know, you can control it with light. You can control it with putting clips on a plant or whatever, whatever you're into. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, maybe there's there's a potential here to start looking forward as to what this could be. And yeah. it, it doesn't always have to stand what? in the past, is what I'm trying to say. What about MIDI 2.0 on MIDI-Jack? MIDI 2.0 on MIDI-Jack? Yeah. yeah, well, it sort well, of is, I suppose. And I suppose it would make sense. Yeah. I suppose the thing is, is you know, having that dope for bus, I mean, it doesn't really get utilised because you could remove an, an awful lot of cables and stuff just by having that MIF module. Not all modules talk it, I suppose. So that's that's the issue, isn't it? The dope for stuff does, obviously, mm. and there are certain other... I think I think IntelliGel does. I can't remember now, but there's, you know, so... So is I'm not TikTok going to licence this new art to other manufacturers is it you know and that kind of thing do you know yeah 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 absolutely they're they're going to open source it to some degree or at least they're encouraging other manufacturers (laughs) to get on board which i think is the only way it's going to work uh it has to it has to infiltrate and it has to be easy Otherwise, yeah. you know, people building yeah. their own modular or ah, that old chestnut. are just not going to be interested. Standards within yeah. standards within standards. Yes. Well, that's an issue. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Um, so who, uh, Gaz, what other favorite stuff? I'll see if, uh, what was, what was okay. in your favorite list as well. Um, I, I may have a video and I'll see if I can bring it, bring it, well, bring it into lines. Lo- I've got a very long list. I made a, a list of 10 and I've got a bunch of honorable mentions. So, uh, I'm, well, I, <clears throat> I think we have to talk about the Norand mono, don't we? Because that ah, was well, in that case, uh, yes, let me do that because I've got that. Yeah. yeah, that. Hey, Matthew, how you doing? Hello, Nick. I'm great. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I've heard a lot about this. This is a, a an, an interesting new. It's analog, right? Analog synth. Yeah, absolutely, fully analog synth. Yeah. With so the, tell me about it. So uh, on the surface, this is sort of a basic baseline synthesizer with a sequencer, but once you dig a little deeper into it there's a ton of great features that makes that makes it really unique so uh, right now i've got a basic patch running in it so let's uh, let's go to a sawtooth and then you know put some filtering in there so the very very cool features in the in the analog path is that each of the parameters has its own modulator and envelope. So uh, let's say you want to modulate the filter, you just select it, it will t- it will turn red, and uh, and now I can have a an LFO on the on the frequency. Yeah, this is um, you need to watch the whole thing. But basically, what he's got is an analog synth. Uh, at the heart, but it's controlled by FPGA. And the FPGA gives every single parameter on the synthesizer an LFO into audio rates and an envelope. And the LFOs can be synced together, they can be free running, they can be synced at different rates, and they go and they just do everything. But not only that, you've got like parameter morphing, you've got extremely fast uh, patch changes like sort of bass station. So you can have it in a kind of drum pad mode where you hit a pad and it changes the, to a bass drum sound, you've got four voice. I mean, it, it's just a really, the, the yeah. chap, it was on the Artoria distributed booth and they said, oh, you should check it out. And it was like, I, I was a bit peeved because we'd been to Artoria five times and hadn't been able to film something. And after a while, you just think, oh, well, sod it. I'm not going to do it. But the guy said, you really should check this out. And I'm glad I did, because I don't think anybody else filmed anything. And it just blew my mind. I got, I mean, it's, a, it's not terribly cheap. It's about 800 quid, but it is, it's a Mark II. Um, so, but there's so many cool features. The guy has got a really brilliant mind. So, Gaz, what did, I mean, I guess you watched the same video as I shot, so... I, yeah, and I, I was with you on that journey, you know, just thinking, oh, it's just a little monosynth... Uh, you know, and then just 
as it starts to reveal itself. You're just thinking, wow, how many clever ideas. But of course, that little keyboard is worth mentioning because it's that's like a it's got like, it's a, like full, a Keith McMillan type thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three dimensional, three dimensions of touch on a little keyboard. Um just on top of everything else. Um but yeah, the morphing sounds really, really cool, I think. Um Oh my goodness, where'd you start? Um, the interface is just beautifully done, isn't it? It's just really everything about it. Yeah. It's just like very, very modern thinking, I think, but coupled with the fact that it's a, a an analog signal path. So yeah. yeah, no, it's cool. A, a little bit on the on the rich side, it is eight hundred pounds, which does seem quite a lot for us to to oscillate of mono. You know, it's but you're getting a kind of almost an entirely new concept here. I don't know, Robin, did you get to see this at all? Mm. Is it something that you've been on yeah. your radar at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, I had a play on it. I remember the the original one as well. What was interesting about it was it's the amount of cross modulation you could do. You could just crash everything into everything, and this seems to have taken that to the to another level i suppose <laughs> i quite like the idea that you can just touch something and then you know root an lfo straight to it without having to fuss around but it doesn't look like much you know i had a play with it thinking oh yeah here we go another another little mono synth sounds nice you know you're able to to crunch some things together and it was very playable uh, without having to to understand anything um so it wasn't until i came away that I had any idea of its capability uh, but it was a, certainly a fun little thing to play with and now starting to understand that there's lots of different sort of depths and levels to it, um, mm. which is really, really interesting, particularly to do anything which is surprising in this space, as you say, in the two oscillator monosynth space, what, what could be done that has not been done already? So yeah. yeah, no, good job. It could look more exciting. Is the only thing I would say. Yeah, it's sort of. I, I mean, I hate to say it, it needs to be know. bigger and have. It needs to be bigger and have some ballast in it, so it feels like eight hundred mm. quid worth. It's that uh, sort yeah. of thing. Yes. You have to. It doesn't look that way, but yeah, that would be a bit weird. I don't know if you get to, you got a chance to see it, Matt, but it looks really interesting. You can morph. Yeah. The, the, it's got a TR type step thing across the top the other thing that it's got is so you could take step it also recalls patches so you what you can do is you can actually morph between patches depending on the pressure that you put on each individual program point so you can kind of go morph quick or morph really slowly mm. it's also another thing that's kind of interesting is it's got parameter recording but an internal resolution of something really silly you know it's not like 96 ppqn like you get with a regular step sequence it's it's extremely high resolution internal parameter recording so you can do completely different things than you could do with even say you know an electron or whatever because because of the amount of interpolation that, that you know that you don't need because essentially you can edit each individual yeah it's kind of, it's kind of and you can record mm. sequences with that parameter stuff and then use that as another modulation source or set of modules it's pretty powerful actually i mean and I, i'd like to see it i mean yes it might be a bit expensive i agree but i think it's it's starting to see a really interesting uh, amalgamation of this sort of analog and digital hybrid yes guys when you're talking about price if there's one trend that I saw across all the videos was every single price when announced made me wince a little bit. It's like there is clearly like a the price of everything as which mm. you know and we know why. We won't get we won't get drawn into that. But it just like every single price when they were announcing it was kind of significantly more than what it would have been just a few years ago and yeah. i was like 
thinking, oh, you know, we we are look. Things have kind of moved over a little bit in terms of our maybe our expectations. Obviously, Behringer and some other companies, but you know, are going to be catering for the budget end of the market, but you know these small manufacturers you know all with i'm sure with good reason but we saw a definite you know maybe where something would have been 199 it was 299 you know it was like not just like you know Mm, like a a third or quarter more but you know there we go it's time of the time sadly there was there was a few makers as well saying that they they can't make things quick enough because you know again don't want to get to it the chip shortage and all that kind of stuff they've got the orders you know it's it's there's people wanting to get these things but they just can't get them built and out to people quick enough um so it must be very frustrating for them and they can't find the parts, you know, the parts have got all gone up. You know, when you take, you know, okay, so a part might go up by, if it costs a pound, it then becomes one one pound thirty. say, for instance. You multiply, it would, be, it would be a much smaller increase, but by the time you've built it, you know, you have your bill of manufacture, which is a certain thing, and the actual final cost is usually a multiple of that. So it's always going to be amplified. And I don't think people are trying to rip each other off. It's just... No they've got to make a living out of it. I should probably do an ad because I've forgotten. Um, So here's one. Ozone 10 is the future of mastering. The new version includes Master Assistant, match your master to any reference file or files. Also, the stabilizer module in advance adds clarity with intelligent and adaptive mastering EQ. Also included is the impact module in advanced, which enhances the rhythm by controlling microdynamics. Don't forget the code SONIC10 at isotope.com forward slash SONIC TALK to save an additional 10% off any software purchase, not including subscriptions. And we thank them very much for their support. If you head over to isotope.com, I think that's it, isn't it? Is it there? Yeah, here we go. Isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk. You could save 10% off any Isotope plugin purchase with the code Sonic10. So we much appreciate their support as well. Yes, I think it's, uh, yeah. I mean, that's another uh, interesting thing. I mean, and I think uh, with small people who build small numbers can't get economy of scale. I mean, that's just the way it goes. It's, you know, I, I don't think they're necessarily, I mean, yes, Behringer can make things extremely cheaply, but they've got an entire factory and, you know, probably own half the world's components in this. In this so I tell you what was great to see, though, this year, Nick, was the amount of new module makers coming to market. I mean, we we all had our, you know, Make Noise were there, which was great, who who haven't been there for a number of years, obviously, with with this. We've got a video coming yes. out soon on Sonic State yes, for that. Yes, that's the Spectrophon. Um, that sounded brilliant. Spectrophon, it did. Of course, you know, there was, oh, yeah, yeah, all, all you traditional module makers were there, but there was a lot of newbies, a lot of newbies, and that was really exciting to see as well. And a lot of things still also in kind of first iteration with, you know, things scrawled on, on the panel using a pen as opposed to things being printed. Um, can I talk about one that I was drawn to, one one of the new makers? They, I don't yes. know if you did a video of him, though. So um, it was caught in my walk around, but it's a company called OK200, and they've done this kind of touch um, sequencer, performance-based sequencer, um, called the uh uh oh it's just gone from my head now De- the decade i think it is something like that um okay 200 and yeah i was really degree was really it? degree not decade thank you degree. thank you robert yeah degree yeah. thank you Rob. check that one out it's got um 
it's got this really interesting design. I first saw it on Instagram uh, months ago, and I was just like, oh, hang on, what's this all about? Because you've got these kind of capacitive touch sensors which you can play you can record in what you play you can quantize that you can send in additional cv then to modulate that you can change things octaves up and down with it you can add glide to it you can do ratcheting with it it was um i mean talk about you know sometimes you get a piece of equipment and you connect with it this was definitely something that i i connected with this is something i've been looking for for a while something that really does sit along the line of sequencer versus a kind of um, a, a, a melody performance module, if you mm. like. It was a combination of the two. It was such fun to play with. And the guy behind it, he's done some amazing work. I think he's still working out some bugs, and I think there's a version 2 coming. But that was definitely one of my favorites of the show. Um, Interesting. That, that one and... Uh, Voikers or Voices, um, actually I just got their lead pre presser which is this uh, stereo uh, compressor with sidechain input on it. They've just done this dual distortion unit called the Duo, the Duo, what's it called? Duo Rover, I think it is. Their lead rover is the mono channel and they've done a stereo one. It's got filtering in it, um, high pass, low pass, you can change the order of them, you, it, you've got um, add resonance to it so you can put the low end back on and it just sounded brutal in terms of a distortion unit so that those two things were my kind of like yeah well they're I'm right in your pocket really aren't they? part of your definitely part of yes your totally yeah. totally mate absolutely um who wants to go next with a selection i think um um d should we do dreadbox i think dreadbox is worth a mention isn't it robin shall i just pop that in there quickly mm. we'll just go here we go i've got a bit of hello Orpheus. how are you doing pretty good here at super booth 2023 we're having a nice time it's the first day and we have the pretty nice telepathy with us to present to you i knew you were going to say that three it's telepathy yeah telepathy <laughs> Come on then, so what is it? So, telepathy is a single voice, a full voice module, which uh, can have like 16 presets. It's a single voice with one oscillator. Yeah, I, I watched the video and basically it's a single voice Eurorack that can go into a control situation where there's a control module. You can have six of them. I, think, I don't know if there's a limit to that. And then each one can either be controlled by a master, so it, you end up with a six voice. So it's a bit like... Um, the uh, Nymphus, perhaps, uh, or you can split it so you know two of them would be on one MIDI channel, one would be on a MIDI channel. You know, so you can make it multi-timbral. There's all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's an interesting thing. It's still, it's not a not an insignificant amount of cash for the full system. I think it's over. I can't remember what it is. It's twelve or thirteen hundred pounds, I think, or euros. I forget now. Maybe Robin, you can remember. But this again, you know, was you brought this up because it was another a different approach to polyphony as to what uh, what TipTop would do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is sort of polyphony, but working within what we already have and, and know and understand. I think their their concession was it has MIDI in and out. So you end up linking them up uh, via MIDI and then you can play them together. And then those faders on the front become MIDI controllers for either the whole lot or bits of it or allocated to, to different bits or the, or the whole thing becomes a MIDI controller over the whole synth, I think. Mm. So it's... Yeah, it's working within what we know and sort of works now, which I thought was just quite a, a an interesting alternative to the tip top. You know, tip top go, let's do something completely bonkers and new. Uh, whereas Dreadbox going, well, this already works and 
what can we do that's going to be interesting and perhaps bring you know something to the table that we can use now you know i thought that was just a very interesting comparison to each other in, mm. in presenting because there seems to be a need for polyphony we've seen it with the the nobula stuff mm. as well and um oxy instruments who i don't think they were there but you know there, there seems to be this little push to get to get a synth in there you know i'm happy with me beeps and me boops and me me mono lines this that and the other i just want to bring in a big pad or i want to bring in a piano or, yeah. or something that's get a jv 1080 robin and just but just get a yeah. jv 1080 and <laughs> stick a midi keyboard on it <laughs> stick that in a rack so yeah that, I, there I don't is something really interesting there, you know. Uh, uh, interesting yeah. thing, I th yeah, with 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 the uh, with this Dreadbox um, system. So they, they they they're showing it with six linked together, but then at the end of the chain, they were also showing a little mixer module, and I thought it had a really yeah. clever idea, which is that those mixer uh, points they don't have individual pans, but what it, what you do is as you plug in all of the six voices, I think the ones on the outer numbers like one and six would be hard panned and then you know two and uh, five would be a little bit closer in and then uh, you know uh, however it works like it, it, and then you have a control which controls the width so you can make all of the voices nice. mono That's or cool. you could then modulate it but you, you can invert it as well so you can oh, have like, your, your, your wider stereo moving across as all of the stereo kind Naked. of moves, and I just thought, I think really yeah, cool. That's not. I think the the only thing that they have to get right, and I I'm, I didn't know whether this was the case because I think you could only make one a master of the rest, or maybe it's a master of the other ones that have the same MIDI channel. I'm not sure because obviously, if you grab one that's a slave, then how does it tell the master to move? You know, so that mm. uh, and, and also uh, I think uh, Technomatic mentioned Technomatic. Big shout out to, to uh, Simon uh, Synth Anatomy as well. Um, you know, it's too compromised. Might get a decent. Might as well get a decent poly. I mean, f and that's not a bad. You know, that that's sort mm. of true as well because essentially for the price i mean the the nymphus is what it's about 500 pounds so it's six voices and you get a lot more synth depth to it i mean there is quite a lot of function shifts and all of that sort of stuff but it does provide polyphony would you would you go for something like this matt or is it just take up too much room for your live system yeah for for live definitely i mean i'm i'm working at 7u here so there's no way so that's why the poly cinematic goes straight in there because you've you've got um 16 voices i think and you've got filter you've got an envelope in it you've got um envelope shape you've got an amazing reverb i actually told jason that i'd like to see his reverb just stand alone i don't know what he's doing with that but it, it sounds great but no having all those voices certainly not um the uh the the chord two that i mentioned is probably the next largest that i'd go to if i wanted multiple voices i have gone down the route of having individual oscillators um and using them as different voices but tuning is an issue i when i played live at Superbooth at the weekend i was playing in the bright sunlight i mean you'll see it on the video literally i'm glad i had factor 50 on and I must have had to retune my oscillators about five times before I went on. I thought I better just keep checking this because the sun was beaming down onto it. In fact, one of the modules, I won't tell you which, actually failed because I think it got overheated. 
So word of warning, if you're playing out live, um, get a fan in the sun. installed. Yeah, don't don't play in the sun. Doesn't work. There, now there's a thought. Someone does a Eurorack cooling mm-hmm. system that's just a shit little module which has got a fan in it that sort of drops down like a blade and blows air yes. in and out. Now, yes. you can have that for nothing, whoever it is who's designing <laughs> these things. Wicked. Um, I should, I should <laughs> now uh, actually bring in a, a, a word from our friends over at Baby Audio because I forgot. Baby Audio has released the BA1, which they describe as... The modern reimagination of cultish 1982 analog synth that looked like a toy but sounded like a beast, the CSO1 basically. It brings pure authentic textures that are fast to program and dripping in colour. They also impress upon us that have not just recreated but enhanced and moved the design forward, adding polyphony and a second analog modelled oscillator, FM, and the ability to drain the battery, which gives power sag that running down on the original one used to do. Pricing availability, regular price 99 bucks. It was actually on, if you want to save 15% on that, use the code ST. 23 to save that over at babyaudio.com. We thank them very much for their support. Okay, uh, we are with that. I mean, this is normally we struggle for news yeah. items today. It's just like we could probably do about a five hour show easily um, to, to cover this. Uh, who hasn't had a choice? Who would like to choose some? I, well, what I would like to do, if this, if that's okay, is just speed through this list and just, just like with one line of information about each. Ah, of okay, choices. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and just yeah. Just, why not we do that? See, time is going to run out, and each one of these could spin off into things. Okay, Erica Synth's um, Steam Pipe, like a, a really interesting new sort of approach to synthesis using physical modeling. Sort of made me think of um, Elements by Mutable Instruments, but substantial big interesting looking synth uh, teenage engineering tp7 the little recorder i mean i mean good, my goodness a, a feat of engineering very very expensive for the functionality but really really whoa, something really nice about that um you know and hmm, i yeah kind of got the gas for that that's you know like Mm, ridiculous um <laughs> pwm mantis amazing yes, that was a hybrid of the like like a new wasp and the oscar and a real kind of um you know tribute to the late great chris huggett and it's wonderful to see his name emblazoned on the back there really kind of making that synth like it was the last thing that he worked on before he sadly died and you know and it kind of sums together some of his greatest hits and i think it's a looks really brilliant unique and a very british synthesizer um okay we did the gemini um the noran mondo uh the tempura um, granula that's that beautiful little looking really interesting and this this is the first of three little granular delights, which uh, which I've picked. There's definite grainy, grainy kind of granular uh, theme this year. But the little tempura, you can have like eight channels of uh, of granular channels. Really interesting approach as well to the interface. Really worth checking out. Tempura, granular, the tasty chips. Um, uh, GR yeah, the mega. mega. Yeah, which is, uh, we've seen the GR1. I had one here for a short while, um, shot a video many years ago when it, with it, but it's just like the beast of all beasts if you're into granular, which I know many of you are. So definitely check that one out. Um, and then the last one of the granular little trilogy there is the Clavis Grainity, which is definitely one of the most interesting ideas I heard at this year's Superbooth. In principle, is it's a it's a it's a uh, it's an all analog, essentially filter module, but with digital control. And the digital aspect of it cuts the filters into tiny grains of so the sound. So it's like analog granular. Um, That's interesting. So, 
Yeah, so that's yeah. something to check out. Uh, and nearly there, <laughs> Beep Boop with the tape rack, which Jack uh, yes. got a personal story on that. I was at the concert that Jack was talking about. I was with Jack watching uh, Jerome Nottinger doing his incredible performance. And Jack just sort of like, you could virtually see the light bulb over his head. <laughs> but w watch watch the Sonic <laughs> video, the beat boop. Uh, it's, it's like a big long tape loop in a one new oh, form. Oh, he's so enthusiastic, isn't he? It's just brilliant. <laughs> Amazing, yeah. it's just, he was so buzzing. Uh, yeah, nearly there. Uh, Fine Gear, I thought, had just the most incredible uh, two things that they were showing. We know Fine Gear from their dust collector, a really odd, large... Uh, odd the mod mix, yeah. Um, the mod mix. A four-channel, which is a massive mixer for four channels, but... Um, it does so many interesting things. And I think that was priced at about 1300 which actually, for the beast, what it is, that actually looks really good. Uh, but they were also showing uh, the follow-up, I suppose, to The Dust Collector, which is called The Dirt Magnet. And that's got a tape, uh, a, a real tape loop in there, which uh, is made from cassettes. And they're going to do a video to show you how you can make your own tape loops for it using just regular cassettes. So I thought that was pretty cool. But also a whole bunch of really interesting uh, and unusual collection of effects within this quite odd form factor um the lambda polypulse is yeah <laughs> that's peculiar. mad yeah very peculiar totally different like interface you've got like was it five different touch panels um it, i think it's what it, well, it said like a kind of gro <laughs> weirdy synth groove boxy polyphonic thing mm. um <laughs> And then, uh, and nearly there, just um, Bifaco FX Boy. It's like a modular where you can, a module that affects unit that uses Game Boy cartridges as a, as a means of like having um, different effects. Uh, so I think you might be able to buy these. Oh, I think it comes with seven cartridges. Ah, uh, yes, yes, effects Boy, yeah. You kind of, you know, using all the, the old Game Boy format for the cartridges. So, um, and then finally, the Kiviak Wofi, which is the SQ1, uh, sorry, the, the SK1, Casio SK1 for the 20, 21st century that we've been wanting for a very long time. Yeah. Interesting. There we go. I'd like to uh, give a shout out. If we're talking about granular, Artfully Artoria released their uh, update yeah. for the Mini Freak, uh, the Micro Freak, sorry, which has sample Got it They they found two they found two minutes of sample storage in that. You know, so there's obviously loads of DSP <laughs> sitting around that they haven't used. Uh, Robin, any other highlights for you? Hmm. Uh, yeah, a couple of little mentions that just squeeze in. Uh, one of them is the jam sandwich. Uh, from a little company called Electro Jam, and this is a—I'm uh, not entirely sure. Well, it's—it's a—it's—it's it's not perhaps as weird as it as it may sound. It's just a little sequencer. But the important thing about this sequencer is it's designed for someone who's blind. Uh, so it has audio description built in. So every time you touch a knob, every time you turn something, it's telling you what you're doing out of another channel. So you can have that connected ah, to a speaker, okay. and it says That's knob one on, knob two, this kind of thing. And all of the icons on it are very large. It's got a big visual display. And this guy basically designed it because he was performing live with electron boxes and then sort of woke up one morning and could no longer see the display. And so his eyesight's been deteriorating. And so he went to work designing, and this is the first module, I think, ways of working that are less visually important, which is weird to go into Eurac because we see it as a very visual format, but it's actually a very feely format. You can feel your way around a Eurac that you can't do on a groove box. And so mm. um, he's very much into designing inclusive, um, you know, differently abled 
useful I think I, th- I think I remember that I spoke to one of the organisers and he said he kind of practically you know lost it when he saw that happening he just sort of felt that was sort of the whole reason that they do what they do for these moments where they, and mm. he had a huge crowd of people all around him and he was just showing what and everybody was just like wow that's amazing and because it was to fill fulfil a particular need of his d- diminishing eyesight he just said it was yeah it was very special for him yeah no nice choices yeah, at, nice cho- at the other end of some- um and- unworthiness would be the uh the ultra audio time tosser or the wave wanker as uh he suggested it might be called <laughs> in euro rack euro rack which is this is a wonderful row of eight buttons that basically remixes on the fly so it buffers a bit of audio and you sync it up and so you can then re-trigger or ratchet stuff and it's a desktop unit that i've i've reviewed previously but now it's being worked into euro rack so you can do the same thing with cv or CV control it or something. And it's just a barrel load of fun. If you have the the courage in live performance to pretend like you're remixing on the, not pretend you are remixing on the fly, um, like you're, you know, like you're down with the kids, then it's a whole load of fun to play with. It's just- That sounds really good. I can imagine if you put CV into that, that would be really interesting rather than audio. That would make an awful lot of sense. That'd be really cool. Yeah, nice, nice. Are you done or is there more? All right, well, one, two, one more then. Okay, quick. Let's just down here. Oh, the you don't have Gliss. to. I mean, I just... <laughs> yeah, I lo- uh, yeah, there's lo- so much. Uh, the Gliss there from Bella, which was a simple um, touch strip controller, but very much like the Sound Machines LS1, if you're familiar with that. But this one was very light up and very visual. I like that sort of thing. You could pull things apart and basically draw in your own modulation and you could record up to a minute of movement, which generates voltage and pressure which you can then stuff into your system. That was great. Um, uh, Well, you know, and anything from this is not rocket sciences is awesome. Uh, That was the Bob and Steve. Steve. Yeah, that was good. Bob and Steve, which was a great. Who's my first video actually after. after, Oh, was it? Yeah, sort of a deconstructed reverb, which was a lot of fun. So yeah, I will concede at that point. Matt, anything else that you feel uh, should get a, an honourable mention? I'm sure there must be. <clears throat> yeah, just two. And as you know, I naturally gravitate to quite doomy sounds, making quite a lot of visceral hard techno. Um, so it was great to see Scott back in from um, industrial music electronics. Scott Yeager. Yeah. Harvestman. Love that guy. Brilliant. Um, I love the way he talks about his modules too. And he had this Volkmeyer's Inferno. I think I read somewhere that it's named after a very difficult level that's almost impossible to complete on a computer game. I don't know what it's called. But this, <laughs> going back to granular, it's it's kind of like a crossover between a um, a, a granular um, unit crossed with oscillators and the, the ability to morph between them. And it wasn't quite finished yet, but it was great to see him back there showing that off. Um, and then there was also, of course... Um, who else was uh, just gone from my mind now? It does really do me kind of, oh, yeah, Schlappy Engineering. So I've got a couple of their modules. In, in fact, I'm, I'm going to do a couple of videos for them. Um, I've got the ankle, Angle Grinder, which we was making. I like Ankle Grinder of. better. Could we get them to rename <laughs> the <ankle> it? Grinder. <laughs> we can make call the show that. Um, we... We was making kick drums from that, and it was just, I was like, oh, I need to get this out as soon as I get home. Um, and I was also playing with the three body, which is this three mental, oscillator cross mod. Yeah, it's 
crackers. Loved it. I, again, talking, I think it's Eric, Eric Schlappy. I think that's his name. Talking to him and going through his modules is exactly what I mentioned before. Opening that door, walking into his mind, and you're just like, right, I get you. I know exactly where you come from, and I know how passionate you are about, about making this and what it can achieve. Um, one last thing was, of course, these guys, Maya EMI. Uh, we've got a video again coming up for this soon, haven't we, Nick, for the MD900? Yep, MD900. They they were showing this off, but what they've also done is they've kind of cut it in half, like kept the touchscreen and stuff, and made a smaller version of it, exactly the same guts, so it does exactly the same thing, four-part multi-timbral, same amount of oscillators, effects, everything, but smaller. And they're also developing these boxes, um, I.O. boxes, so you can get more ins and outs, uh, whether that's the CV connection or audio connection. Um, yeah, and it was great, great meeting up. Again, speaking to Holger and the team who makes this, um, there's some cle- – do, do you know what, Nick? We're surrounded by such intelligent, clever people. It, it, I just make weird music with this lot. I don't pretend to know exactly how they're made, but you'd, I, I'd probably just, you know, if there was a bomb to go off in Superbooth, the amount of intelligent people we would lose from this earth would be unfathomable. Yeah, there's uh, lots no, of very they, smart. They, they, would, they, were so, they would defuse it before it went off, though. That's we, true. We yeah, that's to. very true. Yeah, good. They well, good thought. No. Um, I'd, li- I'd just like to bring a couple of honourable mentions of myself. Obviously, uh, there was so much. We're obviously, the Electron Analog Heat Plus Effects. I mean, that's a big release. We didn't even get round to that. Uh, there was, of course... Um, oh, no, I forgot what else I was going to say. That, that, but, that, yeah, that was a really big one. Um, the, uh, gosh, uh, the Korg um, uh, Acoustic Synth that we saw with yeah. uh, Tats, that was really interesting. I mean, there's so many things that got released here or got first mentioned. I mean, mm. it was really like, you know, the gates just opened. And it's. I think part of this was because NAM was out of reach for a lot of people because either because of travelling or expense. And also... People have been having to work a lot on redesigning things, and because they're smaller companies, it's taken a while. So this Superbooth is sort of the first opportunity that they got to release their ideas and their stuff into the world, and I think there's just so, so much there. Uh, we've got a ton of videos up there, there's, and there's probably three or four more to go, but just, you know, look at that. Sorry, Gaz. There is another thing, isn't there? I don't know if it, if it just happened to launch at the same time, but uh, the little Roland Ira Compact S1, hmm. which is oh, yeah. just really cool. And people who've been using it are just like, wow, this thing is for the, I think, what's it, about 160 quid or something? But I think we're getting uh, one for review, actually, yeah. Yeah, so I do. I, were they there? Were Roland there? Because was that launched? No, just no, Ro- Ro- Roland weren't there. No, it was just coincidental. Yeah, wow. which is a really bad idea because most organisations, all their people are going to be on the ground there. Like, so I, I don't know if the if if the story even got posted here, but I mean, I, I did get a heads up. But when you're in in Superbooth, there's really no point in expecting anybody to do anything outside of their their immediate point of focus. I mean, like I say, we were flat out um, the entire the- time. I think that S1 has surprised people though, because I think with this little kind of the tweak synth range or whatever, this little, uh, you know, the things are generally kind of cut back, but this one isn't. It's actually surprisingly deep. So, uh, sorry, not related to Superbooth, but related to new stuff. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there was any other stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, inevitably there was. We will have got there's the uh, some new bootless stuff. There was the new. There oh is, yeah, uh, Matt's there, there with the finger up. The finger is up. Um, enjoy <laughs> electronics. The Godfather. Oh my goodness! Which that is this is rack cool. mounted, yeah. triple delay line with compression on it, and it, you know I use the term vibe a lot. I like vibe in my music, and, and as well as hard industrial techno, it's got to have vibe, of course. And uh, using delays is often the way that I do that. It just you can send anything to a delay; it sounds cool. This thing's got three in it. It's got filters in it. It's got a compressor in it. Um, I think it's Eurorack compatible in terms of its size. Yeah, it's about the size of it's a deep not band. new. It, we saw we saw it at um, Synthfest uh, last year. It was oh, okay. it has yeah. been at, yeah, it's, mm, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, we definitely saw that. I, I just a couple of shout outs. I want to say a shout out to Carl Bedford in the chat because uh, I, I bumped into him. I know he's a mate of Dom's as well. We spent a couple of moments reminiscing. Uh, it was you know obviously you know. Dom was there at the last one, and it was great, and as were lots of other people. But uh, you know, he was very missed, as you as you were, Gaz, as well. But it was uh, just a, another quick roundup. I mean, there were so many people. It felt like we were up by a, a certain number. There was quite a lot more people there, I would say, and um, it just felt. And the exhibitors, because they had an, an extra sixty people, because the sports hall wasn't open last time, so there were another sixty exhibitors wow. there. I mean, oh yeah, Oberheim, OB, um, OBX8 oh, desktop yeah. that was there as well. <laughs> we almost <laughs> forgot, you know, it's just yeah. crazy. It was <laughs> the superlative Monolab twelve ten. It's just a beautiful looking um, sort of subtractive synth, but just in that really kind of unique format. Mm. Do you know that one? Did you see that mm. one? Um, I didn't. We we did do a video, but uh, I, I didn't I didn't watch it or film it, so <clears throat> I haven't had a chance. So, um, Solar 42 is another one worth a mention. The Elton Music. Oh, good um, shout. That's Solar interesting. 42. That's interesting. Yeah, we did we did mm. that. I mean, Chris uh, Chris D, he was really enamored by that. I I we we review I reviewed the Solar 50. And yeah. um, the the queue is the it's a it's a microtonal drone machine, and I all I remember doing most of the time I was reviewing it was trying to tune it up because mm. um, it had fifty <laughs> oscillators. I don't know whether this one's yeah. got forty two, and that somehow makes it easier. But if they fixed <laughs> that and made the made made the tuning easier, because honestly, you do something, and go, oh, this is great, and then. It, I mean, like the Lyra 8, you know, it's quite hard to... You know, there's actually um, some control law to those tunings, whereas on the Elta, it was those tiny little kind of plastic nylon nerve, you know, trying to micro-tune mm. stuff with that. It, I found it... It sounded beautiful, but it was incredibly infuriating. So I do hope they mm. fix that, because it was, it was lovely. It was just one of those things that is... Because you can't tune it to itself. How are you going to tune it with anything else? It almost has to be, you have to build stuff around it and expect everybody to tune on the fly to you, at least in the 50. Maybe the 42 has been tuned, but it was. It did sound lovely, that demo. Good shout, Robin. We yeah, have been very I think it's evolved a little bit with that. I think they, they've they reduced the oscillator count, but also built in some melodic voices. So it's not just, ah, not just setting right. up some sort of drone Makes wash. You can, now, you can now sort of play it, I think, is the, hey. is the key. But it was a loveliest sounding thing. <laughs> Yeah, it did sound um, good as far as demos the, goes. We've been totally focused on hardware, but I mean, uh, he Zebra 3 being shown. Ah, yes, that's what I was getting. Yeah. Time. Uh, you know, that was amazing. Zebra, yeah. Well, you know, one of the most beloved sort of software instruments. Uh, it's been a long time in the making. What is it? It, it was first. 
and and the right. newcomer. And I really want to support the, the newbies coming through as well. So, yeah, well done. Good shout, good shout. I should point out that you're probably going to be looking for links to all of these things in the show notes. I'm afraid that's not going to happen because it would take me hours to go through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm just going to say that right out there to, to begin with. If you want to check, I mean, if you just do a search on YouTube for any of the things we mentioned, I've, I've tagged there's things. A, I Hopefully it should be YouTube, pretty good. So There's, there's a playlist on the Sonic site, say, site for... Yeah, the there's a pl- there's a full playlist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Robin, how about you? What was your pick mm. of the show? Well, just to go for something different that we haven't talked about, another uh, sort of entry from a new company, I think, is the Kaona Skippy, which is um, a gorgeous-looking Eurac uh, module with a circular interface in the middle, which is essentially a four-channel trigger sequencer, but but beautifully realized with lots of interesting uh, MIDI effect-type tools, or rather algorithms and... Um, euclidean bits and pieces and tape stops and strangeness but this wonderful sort of eye of circular within circles of sequencing i quite like that didn't get to see it would have liked to have spoken to the bloke but never did but i think oh, it looks that's stunning. a shame next time well uh, and we next can time. only look forward to we can only look forward to the next super booth which I, I mean, if it again, if it doesn't rain, which the weather was absolutely fantastic this mm. time. I mean, we thought it might rain and it didn't. It was, I think there were three or four spots of rain on the Saturday night after it was all over. So it was fine. And there was no rain. I mean, just amazing. And hopefully that may that long continue because just being out in the woods and doing it in, in, in the you know, in the outside is really good, but obviously not so much fun if your roof is leaking and you've got expensive electronics in a tent. I'd imagine that would be <laughs> a little bit less less than fun, but fantastic. So, yeah, brilliant work by all of our team. Uh, Andy, yeah, Ed, Chris, the two Chrises, Simon Forsyth, uh, Ben, uh, Robbins, and uh, um, there's other people. Um, yes, I can't remember. And now that, that, yeah, and also the Superproof team, fantastic. So, thank you, everybody. Um, I hope you will all. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll probably have to switch things off just because we've been going a while, and I've got to get this edited up um, tonight. But thank you, everybody, for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it there. And Gaz, viewing from afar, hopefully we'll see you there next year. But uh, that was the end of the show. So we'll see you all next time. Thank you very much. See you later. Bye-bye now. Bye.